Well, good morning, good morning. Let me ask you a question. As you think back over your life, what are the areas that you've grown spiritually? What difference has God made in your life as you've walked with Him, as you've grown in Him, as you've matured in Him? Uh, Maybe for you today you would say, wow, before I never used to want to go to church, and now I can't wait. I just get excited about being at church. It's awesome, and being God's presence. I love that. I love seeing God work in our lives and joining together and hearing the word and worshiping together. Uh, Maybe for you, you look back over your life and you say, you know what, before I never really felt the presence of God. In my life, I would just live kind of life, but, but now I, I'm starting to sense God's presence. I'm starting to feel that God is with me, and even when things are hard or difficult, there's something different. And maybe for you, it, it used to be, I would be so angry. You know? Anger would consume me. I would get mad. I would be so competitive, and, and yet now there's a peace. There's a calm. There's a presence that I can't explain. And maybe for you, you would say, you know, I never used to like to pray. I always felt like my prayers were hitting the ceiling, but but now I feel like there's this prayer that's happening. And maybe for you, it's even praying out loud. And you're going, I was scared to death to pray out loud, but now I, I want to pray with my kids, or I want to pray with my friends. I want to, I want to pray. Or maybe for you, it's spiritual conversations. And maybe you used to shy away from like, you know, nobody talks about religion or politics, you know what I mean? But now you're going, I can't wait. I, I want to discuss. I want to learn. I want to talk even with people at work and say, hey, what's going on in your life? You know, what's God doing? Or how can I pray for you? How have you grown? How are you maturing? I think we need to celebrate that. I think we need to look and say, wow, look what God's doing in my life. And we need to celebrate as we take those steps of faith, as we grow and mature in our lives. But we never get complacent. And we never stop growing. Because God has an awesome plan for us. And God wants us to learn and to grow even more. Over the holidays, one night we were, it was Christmas time. And, and Lisa was in the kitchen. She was baking cookies or something. And the girls were all watching one of those, you know, fun Christmas cartoons that was on TV. And, and I love Christmas. But sometimes it gets to me, you know, I mean, like all the trappings of Christmas and all the things that our culture invents to make up Christmas. And, and so I just like, okay, I just want to be sure everybody's on the same page here. So I said, Grace, who is my nine-year-old, I said, Grace, come to the kitchen. Come here. I just want to be sure. And Grace is like, okay, Dad, you know. So she comes. I get the eye roll, you know, but yeah, that's okay. And so we end up in the kitchen. So it's Lisa and me and Grace. And here's our nine-year-old. And we're standing there. And I go, Grace. Just so you know, right, we're on the same page here. You know, Christmas is all about Jesus, right? Jesus is real. All this other stuff is fun. It's kind of made up. It's just entertainment. But it's all about, she's like, I know, Dad, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I just want to be sure, you know, and you know, I mean, it's all about, Christmas is all about Jesus, yeah, and I'm like, give me a little fist bump, she's giving me a fist bump, you know, I'm like, good, we're right there, we're connecting, this is great, I'm feeling like we're having this great conversation, and then I go, Grace, you were so grown up. Right? You are just so mature. And I see Lisa kind of step around behind Grace and going, you know, giving me that signal. And, and here I am going, what? You know, but I'm kind of a dumb guy. And so I just keep going with it, right? And I feel like we're right there connected. I'm like, you are just so mature. You're like an adult. You know, you're just right there. You're all grown up. And about this time, her little lip starts quivering. And, you know, and I'm like, uh-oh, what's going on? This mayday, mayday, help, help, you know? And she runs off to her room. And I'm looking at Lisa going, what happened? This was great. She's like, yeah, you're just getting ready for a teenage girl, okay? Just get ready for it. And I go in her room, and she's on her bed, and I'm like, what happened? And she's like, I don't want to grow up. And I'm like, 
oh, you know, Toys R Us kid, right? I don't want to grow up, you know. <laughs> but grace, I go, you know what? It's great being a kid, isn't it? And it's so fun. But just think of all the things you could do now that you couldn't do when you were a baby. Just think about that. And think about all the potential that lies ahead. You're going to have great things ahead. And she's looking at me and nodding her head. And I'm thinking, come on, babe. It's okay. I want you to enjoy this time. But I also want you to get excited about what is to come. And you know what? I think a lot of times spiritually people are like that. I mean, not here because we're wanting to grow and mature in our life. But a lot of times people want to accept Christ and it's kind of the get out of hell free card, right? I don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to accept Christ. And that's where it stops. And God's going, no, 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 no. I've got great plans for you. I want you to grow. I want you to mature. I want you to become all that I want you to be. Because I've got an awesome plan for your life. God wants us to grow. It's been said this, that growth and potential are God's gift to us. What we do with it is our gift with Him. What we do with it is our gift to Him. Are we growing? Are we learning? Are we becoming? Because things that are grow are alive. Things that don't grow are dead. And so God wants us to grow. God wants us to mature. In our series, we've been in this series called DNA, and we're looking at what does it mean at the core of our life, right? Physically, there's DNA that determines what our bodies look like. There's physically DNA that, that shapes us, but spiritually, there's DNA as well. And for individual believers, for us as a body of Christ, what does that DNA look like? And are we growing? Are we maturing? Our vision statement here at Rolling Hills says this, a people of God reaching out, growing up, giving all. Reaching out, growing up, giving all. That's the core of who we are as the body of Christ. Now last week Nick did a great job talking about reaching out in this call of God and the great commission. It's not the great suggestion, right? It's the great commission that we are called to reach out. This isn't some country club. This isn't a holy huddle, fraternity or sorority. We are called to reach out to be the hands and feet of Christ. And it's awesome when we get involved with what God's doing. And it's so freeing, right? I mean, we can't mess up. All we do is sow seeds. All we do is share the love that God has given to us. We just, like, help people and serve people and let people know about Jesus. It's, it's amazing, and God does the rest. God yields the harvest, but God says, I want you to be involved. But the second part of that is the people of God reaching out, growing up. That there's a part that we grow, that we mature, that we become mature in our faith and our belief. Because of who God is and what he's doing in our life. It says this in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now what does that mean? That means that God knows who's going to accept him, right? God wants everybody to accept him. God wants everybody to follow him. But God knows. He's God. And for those God foreknew, he also predestined, meaning God has a plan and a purpose for you. That when you accept Christ, that's not the end of the story. It's not, okay, I've accepted Christ, now I've got to wait 60, 70, 80 years, and then I'm going to go to heaven, and, and everything that happens in this time is meaningless. No, for those God foreknew, he also predestined that we become conformed to the image of his son. That our lives look more and more like Jesus. And that process is called sanctification, or discipleship, or spiritual growth. So how are you growing? How are you maturing? Is your life looking more and more like Jesus? That's what we want to talk about today. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter, New Testament, kind of toward the back of your Bible. You have 
First and Second Peter, First, Second, Third John, Jude, and Revelation, and we're going to be kind of camping out here in First Peter chapter two. Now, maybe you have a mobile device, an iPad, or something with you that you can also access the scriptures online. Uh, we'll also put the scripture on the screen so you can follow along with what God's word has to say. But let's look at this First Peter chapter two. We're going to put this up on the screen, uh, just verses one through three, and and I want us to look at this together. So. Let's put that up there and we're going to read it aloud together. Are you ready? Let's read it aloud, okay? Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Oh, isn't that a good verse? That's such a great verse talking about that you may grow up in your salvation, that you may mature and grow up. When, when I was a kid uh, at our house, and I grew up in San Antonio, Texas, and we had a utility room. And every year on our birthday, we would go and we would measure how much we had grown, right? We, maybe you had this. We had this little line in our utility room. And, and I would always want to get taller. You know, I always, every year I'm like standing on my tiptoes, you know, trying to get as tall as I could because I played basketball and I want to be taller. And I'm, I'm back there. And we could see it. We could see the physical growth. And we could see how we were growing. But how do you measure spiritual growth? How do you know if you're growing, if you're becoming more and more like Jesus? Well, there's five areas that I want us to look at today. Five areas. And I think this is so important. For all of us who are growing in our faith, who are following Jesus, who are disciples of Christ. And so let's look at this. The first area is this. It's availability. Availability. If you see in 1 Peter chapter 1, he starts off and he says, Hey, to God's elect strangers in this world. And he's writing to Christians. So in chapter 2 when it says, Therefore, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit. You have to go back and say, Therefore, ties in to what he's talking about in 1 Peter chapter 1. If this passage is addressed to believers. It's not addressed to non-believers. It's addressed to people who are following. It's addressed to people who have made a commitment, who have said yes to God. The fact is this, is that God invites each of us on a journey with him. That God is drawing all of us to himself. That God created you for a reason and for a purpose. In fact, inside every one of us, there is a God-shaped hole. Last week, Nick said, you know, 99.9% of us all, we're all the same. I mean, our DNA, 99.9%. And you know what? He's exactly right. Because inside every person that's ever existed has been this God-shaped hole. And if you go back and study history, every civilization that has ever existed has had some form of worship. Every one. Why? Because they're trying to meet that need in their life. And whether they're worshiping the sun god or they're worshiping, you know, some made-up god or whether they're worshiping the true god, the god of the universe, inside of us, we know, we know there's something missing unless God's in my life. And a lot of people in our day, in our time, I mean, we have our little gods, little G that we try to put in there, whether it's money or career or somebody, a relationship, we try to satisfy that. But we all know until the Lord of God of all is at the center of my life, my life doesn't make sense. And there's a God who loves you so much that he is drawing you and inviting you and saying, come, follow me. And at some point in our story, we say yes. At some point in our journey, we step over the line and say yes to God. And it doesn't happen by osmosis, right? I mean, just because you're at church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sleeping in a garage makes you a car. I mean, you know, at some point, 
you say yes, at some point you make that commitment to follow Jesus. You make your life available to him. But when you do, that just starts an incredible journey. That's not the end. That is the beautiful part of God saying, I want to do great things in you and through you. Now, the guy who wrote 1 Peter was the disciple Peter. And, and I love looking at Peter's life because you go back and you look in the Gospels and you just watch Peter's life unfold. You see his own spiritual growth and maturation. And you see that. And you see that in his availability. Peter, when he was called, he was a guy, early 20s probably. He was married, you know. He had a mother-in-law, and we know that, right? So he was married. He has a fishing business. Things are going well. But he had this missing God-shaped hole in his life. And even though he had a great business, great job, great friends, wonderful wife, when Jesus walked by one day and said, come follow me, Peter said, that's it. That's what I'm missing. I want to follow. I want to trust. And Peter starts off on this journey with God. And God does things in his life, man, would have blown Peter's mind. He would have never, ever guessed what God was going to do. And the same with you and me. But you and I in this first area continue to grow in our availability. As God calls us, we say yes, but then God will continue to call us on that journey. Eleven years ago, my wife and I, uh, with 13 other people, I mean, things were great. I mean, we had a great life. We were serving in ministry, and then God says, you know what, Jeff, I'm feeling this call on your life to plant a church. I'm like, what? You know, no way. That's scary. That's nuts. That's crazy. And God says, are you going to be available to me? I made a commitment. When I said yes to Jesus, it'll always be available. Okay, let's go. Let's follow. You see, you and I, we're the hands and the feet of Christ in this world, and there will be times that God will call you. Maybe God's calling you right now. Maybe it's God's calling you to adopt a child or to lead a small group, or maybe God's calling you to teach children, or whatever God's calling you. But the journey says this I'm available. I love the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, Isaiah said, Then I heard the Lord, and the Lord said, Who shall we send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am. Send me. Here I am. And I've loved that about Isaiah. But here's this guy, you know, God's already done great things in his life, but he's going, I'm not finished. God, and you're not finished with me. Continue to use me. I'm available to you. Are you growing in your availability? Are you continuing to grow and saying, God, open hands, right? And not, not closing off, God, open to you. I'm following you. I'm trusting you. I'm available. You grow, first of all, in your availability. The second area of spiritual growth I think that we see in this verse is this, in your attitude. In your attitude. He says, therefore, believers, followers of God, God's elect strangers in this world, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, Hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And what is that? That's our old nature. That's who we used to be. In our old nature, right? Malice. I have this bitterness in my life. I'm carrying it around. It's eating me alive. But I've got this malice towards somebody at work or somebody in my family. The malice, deceit. I'm hiding something. Hypocrisy. I'm one way on the outside, but I'm different on the inside. My walk doesn't equal my talk. Envy, man, I want what they have. If I can just get that kind of car, if I can have that kind of house, if I can, I just want that. Slander, gossip, 
talking bad about somebody. And Peter's going, no, 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 no. That's your old nature. That's your old character. And so God goes to work on our character, doesn't he? When you and I accept Christ, God begins to work on our character, changing us from the inside out. Because God wants to do something new in us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You look at Peter, you know, great case in point. Peter, when he first started following Jesus, here he is. You know, he's been a fisherman. You can imagine he had probably some creative words and some creative language. And, you know, I mean, that was just his nature. That's the way he was. And, and he struggled, I think, with three sins that we see in the Gospels. The first one he struggled with was arrogance. With arrogance. Uh, there was one day that all the disciples are walking along, and you can picture this. Jesus is a little bit in front of them. And they get in an argument over who's the greatest. Really? You know, I mean, <laughs> these guys are arguing about who's the greatest between them. And Jesus turns around and goes, guys, what are you doing? Why are you arguing about who's the greatest? I think Peter struggled with that arrogancy. You know, pride's the mother of all sins, right? I'm more important than anybody else. It's all about me. I think the second one he struggled with was anger. I think Peter struggled with anger. He was impetuous. Remember the night that they came to arrest Jesus? And here's this whole mob, and they're coming to arrest Jesus. And, and they said, where's Jesus of Nazareth? And Jesus said, I am he. And when he said that, everybody fell back. I mean, they fell to the ground, it tells us in the Gospel of John. And then Peter grabs his sword, and he like, yeah, cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant. I love Peter. He doesn't go after the big Roman soldier guy. He's like, smallest guy, right there is high priest servant. You know, he's like slices off his ear. Jesus is going, really? I mean, come on, man. I can take care of these people. You can stop. And he picks up the guy's ear and he heals him. He struggled with that anger. He struggled with that. Maybe you're still struggling with that anger. It just comes out. It, it can't control it. The third thing I think that he struggled with was anxiety. It was anxiety. You remember one time Jesus walking on the water and the disciples in the boat, there's this major storm. And Peter's like, I want to be with you. Let me come to you. This availability, right? And Jesus is like, come on. And so Peter crawls out of the water. And he crawls out of the boat and he's starting to walk on the water. And then it says this. He saw the wind and the waves. How do you see the wind? But he starts looking around. He took his eyes off Jesus. And he's looking at his circumstances. And it says he began to sink. He took his eyes off Jesus, but Jesus didn't take his eyes off him. And he reaches down and he pulls Peter up. And they step back in the boat. And I tell you, I think Peter never forgot that. Maybe today, that's where you're struggling. Maybe there's anxiety that's just gripping you. And you're scared. Maybe financially... Whether there's a job decision or a relationship, and you're just scared. And today you feel the Spirit of God just lifting your head, putting his, his gentle hand under your chin and just saying, focus on me, focus on me. Hold on, I got you. My love never fails. And as you walk through the Gospels and you get into the book of Acts and you, you see this transformation in Peter's life, Right? He moves from arrogancy to humility. And that's why it tells us in Philippians, you know, let your attitude be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself. And you see this transformation in Peter's life. He, he moves from arrogancy 
to humility. He moves from anger to compassion. Instead of, hey, you're in my way. Hey, I'm going to do whatever. There was this desire to heal and this desire to help, this desire to serve. And he moves from anxiety to trust. Anxiety to trust. That's why it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, cast your worry, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God cares for you. And I think in Peter's life, there was this transformation that unfolded as he realized the depth and the love of God, as he matured in his faith, knowing that God was going to take care of him, that God had a plan for him and a purpose for him. Are you growing in your attitude? A few weeks ago, I was walking around before the service, and this woman came up to me, and she said, Jeff, I just want to thank you in Rolling Hills for the difference you've made in my husband. And I said, really? And she goes, yeah, he's been coming to church here for about two years. I come off and on with him, but, but, but I've just seen such a change in him. She said two years ago, I mean, he would, he would get mad, and he would cuss, he would yell and scream. And she goes, but over the last two years, there's been a change. And the only way I can explain it is because of church, but... He's kind and he's loving toward me and he's compassionate and he, he doesn't yell anymore. And, and I said, well, that's not me or Rolling Hills. That's the Spirit of God. That's the Spirit of God working in his heart and working in his life. And your husband's maturing in Christ. She said, I see a difference. I said, I'm so glad. Can people see a difference in us? Are we growing in our availability? Are we growing in our attitude? Here's number three, the area of spiritual growth. It's this, in our ability. Our ability. He, he says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now, if there's one thing we know about here at Rolling Hills, it's babies, okay? <laughs> we do a great job with babies. It's unbelievable. But we know that when a baby is hungry, I mean, that baby is like, I want that bottle, and then nothing else is going to make me happy. You can try that little passy thing. I mean, you can try all those little toys. But I'm not buying it. I want the bottle. That's it. And they're craving it, right? And they get that bottle, and they're, I mean, they're just going to town on the bottle because they're craving it. And you know what Peter says? He says, like, newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. Now, what is pure spiritual milk? The Word of God. The Word of God. And you and I, when we are in Christ, we crave the word. We want to know more. We want to grow in our relationship and our ability to know the word of God. It's so important. The greatest invention of the second millennium, the Gutenberg printing press. 1450s, right? The Gutenberg printing press, I mean, revolutionized the world. And what was the first book that was printed on the Gutenberg printing press? The Bible. The scriptures. Un. Believable. You know, the Bible is the best-selling book every year and the best-selling book of all time. Why? Because the Word of God is transformational. When you read the Word of God, when you study the Word of God, God goes to work on your heart. And you can read the same passage like five times in a row, and there's something deeper and richer in the Word of God. It's awesome. And aren't you thankful that you and I live in a day and a time where we can access the Word of God? We can have it in our hand. We can have it on our iPad. We can have it on our iPhone. We can have it right here with us in our pocket. We can pull it up on our computer. I mean, we can have the Word of God. And so are we growing in our knowledge of the Word? That's where spiritual growth, it's like, a, it's, like, it's like the bottle, it's the nourishment, it's what helps you and I grow as we have a hunger. You see, in 1517, Martin Luther he nailed the 95 Thesis to the Wittenberg door in Germany, right? It changed everything. 
It was the Protestant Reformation. It took off. And somebody took those 95 theses and they threw them on the Gutenberg printing press and it went all over Europe. And, and what people began to discover is, hey, for a while, you know, I've been going to church and it's been in Latin and I haven't understood it. But there's some things that weren't consistent. Wait a minute, the selling of indulgences. Uh, that's not right. You know, wait a minute, the relics. That's not right. Wait a minute, works theology. It's by grace that you have been saved. And then with the word of God, people will start to come alive. And you and I live in a day and a time where we can grow, we can grow in Bible study and in teaching. And every time you come on Sunday morning here at Rolling Hills, when we teach the Word of God, this isn't like pop psychology or whatever else, it's not my opinion or anything else, it's what does God's Word say? Because this is what will transform us. That's why we encourage everybody to be in a small group. Because in a small group, you're talking about the Word, you're challenging one another. Iron sharpens iron. That's why we encourage people, hey, spend time each day, you know, if, if you... Have yet to read the Word of God? Pick a chapter. Start in the book of John. Read a chapter a day. And allow God's Word to work in your life. It is your nourishment. But also there, you've got to live it out. Right? That's why James says, be doers of the Word and not hearers only. That those two things go together. We grow in our ability to handle the Word of God, we grow in our ability to live the Word of God. It's simply not about knowledge. Spiritual depth cannot be just measured in knowledge. Why? Because the deepest people would have been the Pharisees. I mean, the Pharisees knew the Old Testament backwards and forward. But Jesus got on them time and time again. You're not living it. You're not living it. Knowledge, knowledge without application leads to frustration. It does every time. I don't know if you know this, but there's some big football games today. I don't know, maybe some of the guys here know what's happening or going on. But there's some big games that are going to happen this afternoon. And it'll be fun to watch that. But there will be a lot of people who won't be playing in the game. And they'll be sitting at home and they'll know the playbook. Because they were on the practice squad or they used to be on that team. But they got cut or you know, they didn't make it or whatever. And they've got the playbook and they know the playbook. But you know what? They're not in the game. And they're going to be really frustrated because they're like, man, I wish I was in the game. If I was in the game, I'd be making this play, but I'm not in the game. And sometimes we can know the playbook and we can study the playbook, but if we're not in the game, we're going to get frustrated. That's why it's knowledge plus application leads to transformation. Knowledge plus application. As you and I know the Word of God, we begin to live the Word of God. We grow in our ability to handle the Word of God and to serve God. We can never make the mistake that it's just about knowledge. We don't just study the Bible so we can win Bible trivia. <laughs> There's actually believers in Egypt and in China and in India today who don't have half the resources that we have to study God's Word, but they are so passionate about Jesus. And we have brothers and sisters in Christ that are walking to one-room buildings today to teach a, a room full of children about Jesus and their worry is that the government's going to break in and they're going to get arrested and taken off to jail but you know what there's a spiritual depth that comes because God's word is changing them from the inside out if you look at Peter that's what happened as Peter spent three years with Jesus and he grew in his knowledge he began to live it out and you move into the book of Acts in the book of Acts, you know, Peter and John, they're going to the temple. They're going to worship with the body of Christ, with believers there. They would worship on the temple mound. And they heal this guy, and they're taken before the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin was the religious leaders of the day. And they knew the Old Testament backward and forward. And they looked at Peter and John, and they said, Whoa, Acts 4.13, right? These guys are ordinary, unschooled men. But they've been with Jesus. 
And there's a transformation that's happening in them. The Spirit of God is working in them and through them. There is something going on, and we want to know what it is. Are you growing in your ability? That's why we talk about worship one hour, serve one hour. Somehow that you and I are studying the word, that we're in Bible study, but somehow that we're giving back. Somehow that we go on a mission trip or someplace where we can use what God has given us for his name and for his glory. That's when you grow. When you allow the word of God to work in you and through you for his glory. Oh, it's so good. Number four is this accountability. Accountability. You know, I love what Peter says here, right? Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. So what does a baby need to grow? Yeah, they need pure spiritual milk, right? They, they need that. But you can't just put like six bottles right next to the crib and just go, okay, good luck. You know, there's your bottles. Go get it. <laughs> the baby's like, I can't move. You know what I mean? They're like, what in the world? Come on, help me out. You know, what do they need? They need a family, right? They need a family. They need somebody who's going to feed them. They need somebody who's going to pour into them. And then as they grow as a part of a family, they've got responsibilities. And they've got chores. And they've got responsibilities there as the family. You and I are part of a family of God. And spiritual growth takes place in the context of community. We grow as we learn from one another. We grow as we are being fed, but then we are feeding others. What if Peter, what if Peter would have said this? Man, I had three great years with Jesus. It was awesome. When we saw him do miracles, it was amazing. And now I'm going to peace out. I'm heading back to the Sea of Galilee, build me a little lake house over there. I got some jet skis. And, uh, you know, you guys have fun. I'm, I'm living it up, man, because I had three great years. Have a good time. We wouldn't have First and Second Peter. The early church, he was a leader of the early church. That's why it says in the book of Luke, chapter 12, right? To whom much is given, much is required. And every one of us, if we are gut level honest, man, God has blessed us. He's given us opportunities to learn and to grow. We've been in Bible studies. We've been around the word of God. And now God's saying, you have a responsibility to invest in others. You have a responsibility to give back. I'm so thankful for my parents. I love my parents. I, I'm blessed. I just I had these godly parents who took me to church. Preschool children. I had a great church growing up. Preschool children's ministry, student ministry. It was awesome. And I know there were some times growing up I'd be like, Mom and Dad, I don't want to go to church. You know, I mean, come on, you know. I'm a, I mean, I'm a big eighth grader right now, you know. And my parents would say, hey, as long as you live in our house, we go to church, okay? So if you want to go live somewhere else, I mean, good luck with that, you know? But I'm like, uh, okay, go to church, you know? But I, I was so thankful because I built these great relationships and I had this solid foundation. I'm thankful that my parents didn't say, okay, peace out, we raised him as a preschooler and now we're just going to go and do our own thing. They continued to pour into me. And because they poured into me, I've got a responsibility to pour into others. And if you're a parent here, you have a huge calling and a huge responsibility. And a huge privilege to raise up the next generation. But for all of us, we have a huge responsibility as the body of Christ. And because people have invested in us, we're called to invest in others. We're called to make a difference. Our accountability, and the last one, number five, is this, that our adoration. Our adoration. He says, so that you may grow up in your salvation. And I love this last phrase. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Isn't that so good? Now that you have tasted, once you get a little taste of God, don't you want more? 
And once you get a little taste of God's goodness and his depth, his richness, his love, don't you just want more? You're like, I just want more. I want more. I want to be in the presence of God. I want to worship. I want to know him. Jesus said the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love, love. So how are you growing in your intimacy with God? That's prayer, right? And prayer is not just talking to God. A lot of times our prayers are, God, help, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Do you know what's going on? God goes, I know what's going on, I'm God. You know what I mean? Hold on, be calm, it's all right. I got this under control, right? I'm not on vacation, I'm, I'm still here. Take a deep breath. But prayer is also listening. And just hearing God wash over us. Hearing the God of the universe saying, I'm for you. I believe in you. You're my child, you're my son, you're my daughter. Prayer is where you grow in that intimacy, that adoration, knowing that God is sovereign, that God is a God of mercy, that God is a God of grace, that God is a God of love. Peter, I love when you go to Acts chapter 10. And here's Peter. He's seen God do miracles. I mean, he has been there. He's been the part of the early church. It's exploded. It's taken off. And yet it says in Acts chapter 10 that he went up on the roof to pray. He went up on the roof just to kind of pull away from everything to pray. And it was during that prayer time that, that God revealed to him something. He had a vision. And he saw a sheet lowered down in front of him and there was all these different animals on there and God spoke to him and said, hey, Peter, get up and, and kill and eat. And Peter's going, no, 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 no. I've never done that. You know, that would be unclean. And God says, don't call anything unclean that I've made. And at the same time, there's a knock on the door. And they go down and there's a guy who's a servant of a guy named Cornelius who's a Gentile and saying, hey, we want to hear about the Spirit of God too. We want to hear about Jesus. We want to hear about life change. Peter, can you come? Peter starts putting it together. Wait a minute. The gospel's for Gentiles. Aren't you thankful for that? <laughs> the gospel's for Gentiles. And Peter gets down and he goes over to this guy's house and everybody there, his whole family's there. They're wanting to hear about Jesus. And Peter goes in and he starts talking about Jesus and the Holy Spirit falls fresh and lives are being transformed. And Peter's like, yes! And it came out of his prayer time. That intimacy of being in the presence of God. So many times we get busy and our prayer life falls off. You know, it's easy to do, I know. I'm right there. There's, life takes over and the demands. But boy, that intimacy with the Lord is really where you grow. It's where you and I begin to press in and go deeper in our faith than we ever dreamed or ever imagined. So as you think about your life, how are you growing? How are you growing in your availability? Are you still saying, God, here I am, use me? I don't have all the answers, but God, I'm available. Are you growing in your attitude, in your character? Are you growing in your ability? Are you knowing the word of God? Are you pressing in? Are you growing in your accountability? Are you allowing God to use you? Maybe it starts at home with your kids or your grandkids or your nieces or your nephews. Maybe it's here serving in some way. Are you growing in your relationship and that adoration and that love and that grace? Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, was a guy who ended up being martyred for his faith. But you know what? He wrote the book called The Cost of Discipleship. And here's what Bonhoeffer says. He said, cheap grace 
cheap grace. That's accepting Christ for the fire insurance policy, right? So I don't have to go to hell and, you know, I, that's great. That's all I'd really need and I'll see you in heaven. He says uh, cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ. Living incarnate. When you accept Christ, it's not the end. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of an amazing journey that God has. And he's refining us. He's growing us. He's teaching us. And we're becoming. We're becoming men and women after his heart. Men and women conform to his image. When you came in this morning, we had some seeds. And uh, maybe you got a packet of seeds. And I'd love for you to just kind of hold on to those seeds and think about this. Maybe sometime in the spring to, to plant those seeds. You know, seeds weren't built to just stay in the uh, little carton, right? That, that's not their DNA is to go and just stay in a carton. And You know what seeds are built for? To grow. To grow. Seeds, when planted in the ground, they're going to grow. They're going to yield a harvest. Jesus told a parable about a sower. He said this guy, this farmer went out and sowed the seed. And some of it fell on hard soil and died. Took off and just perished. And some of it fell on rocky soil and it didn't have deep roots. Some of it fell on soil and it started to grow but then the weeds and Jesus says that's the cares of the world that kind of came in and it squashed it. But some of the seed and the seeds of the word of God fell on good soil. Fell on good soil. That's your heart. That's my heart. And it grew into a harvest 30, 60, 100 fold. It multiplied. It impacted. Whenever you see a flower, whenever you see anything, just think about growth and think about your life. Am I growing? Am I becoming? Last summer, we took our girls to the beach for vacation. And it was great. You know, I have a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a four-year-old. And, and so we, we get to the beach, and, and most of the years, we end up staying at the pool most of the time because they love the pool, you know. And we go to the baby pool, and it's always warmer than the other pools. But, you know, it's like we'd always be there, and, and they love the pool. And I'm always like, let's go down to the beach. But we go to the beach, and then we get to the sand. And, you know, in the past, they would eat the sand. And, you know, it's just so. But this year, I was like, okay, we're just staying on the beach the whole time. And we had a blast. You know, they built sandcastles. And this was the year I said, girls, we're venturing out in the ocean. Now, they would love to walk along the edge of the ocean and kind of put their feet in. But they didn't want to go out in the ocean because, I mean, it is big and it's scary. And, and I said, girls, this is the year. We're, we're going out there. And so here we go. So I have Grace is holding my hand. I've got Mabry, my seven-year-old, on the front of me. I've got, you know, Kate, my four-year-old, in the back of me. And they're cutting off my circulation. And we're walking out into the ocean like this, you know. <laughs> and we get out. And the waves, you know, get up to about here. And they're about here on them. And the next thing you know, they started kind of bouncing up with the water. And they started laughing and giggling and they would see little fish swimming around down there they would start jumping around they're like oh, look at this and pretty soon they would have a wave knock them over and they would jump back up and and where they could stand and they're having the time of their life and we spent hours just out in the ocean and we were playing and we were laughing we had the best time and they loved it and they're splashing water and we came back off there and i got down and i looked at them and i said girls listen 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 this is awesome but one day, one day, you know what? There's going to be bigger waves and you're going to body surf them. You're going to get on top. They're like, no way, Dad. I'm like, yeah, you're going to get on top and they're going to bring you into the beach. One day, you're even going to go snorkeling. 
And I said, it's going to be so cool because you're going to get this mask and you're going to look and there's the most beautiful fish you've ever seen in your life down there. And I said, one day you may even go scuba diving. I'm like, no. I'm like, yeah. You know, and you get this mask on in this tank and you fall back out of the boat and you swim around and you may even see a sunken ship or a treasure down there. You may find it. And then I said, one day you may bring your own kids here and you may take them out into the ocean. And one day you're going to say, my daddy took me out for the first time. And you're going to have your own kids laughing and playing. I said, enjoy this because it's great. But just know there's things that are even better that lie ahead. Church, I want to tell you, God has done great things. But the best is yet to be. And as we keep pressing into God, as we keep pressing into his truth, I want to tell you we're going to grow deeper and stronger in our relationship with him. And we're going to see God do what only God can do. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. Maybe today is a day of salvation. A day where you just say, there's this God-shaped hole in me and I need Jesus. I've been trying to satisfy it with money, with relationships, with things, with stuff, and it doesn't work. It won't It's about Christ, and Christ is here, and he's drawing you to himself. And maybe for you today, you know what? You've gotten busy with life, and Jesus has kind of fallen off the radar. And today is the time to say, I want to reconnect. I want to grow. Maybe for you, it's time to grow in that ability. I'm taking a step to be in a small group, or to join the church, or to be baptized. Maybe for you it's that accountability of serving in some capacity, giving back, investing in others. Father God, here we are, your disciples today. And Lord, we sense your presence this morning. Oh God, we know you're here. And so I pray, Father, that you would work on our hearts. I pray that you would draw us close to you, that we would hear from you. I pray, God, that we would respond to you in worship. That, God, we would make whatever commitment we need to make. We would put a stake in the ground and we would go forward in our relationship with you. Father, thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son for us. But that, God, you continue to work on us. Hold us close, God, as we respond to you right now.